four, three, two, one. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the fifth episode of Starling City Radio. I am your host tonight, Ross Shaw, and with me, as always, well, not as always, but uh, our um, wonderful guest, the amazing, the wonderful, the outstanding Andy Urquhart. So, uh, unfortunately, we don't have Ali with us. He's um, he's decided to bugger off tonight, so uh, <laughs> he's he's left he's left the the, the house under the under um, the watchful eye of us two, which I'm not too sure whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I'm sure by the end of tonight we'll understand. <laughs> we'll see we'll see whether it isn't. So the, tonight the we've got lunatics an, are running the asylum, Ross. That's how it is. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> what it is. Yes, exactly. We've um, we've tied up the the actual. Uh, yeah, we've done our um, Arkham Asylum escape things, <laughs> pandemonium. We're just we've just seen the bat light appear. Actually, hang on a minute, we're not in Gotham. Well, we are kind of in Gotham tonight. It's a bit yeah. sort of jumping back and forth between the two cities. Um, so yes, as you can already tell from that um, clip there, we have an action-packed show to get through to tonight. We obviously this is our um, our unique um, episode where we. Uh, first half, we discuss um, everything that's going on in Starland City uh, with the Arrow, which is guilty. We'll be talking about some Arrow news to discuss as well. And then on the latter half of the show, we will go into our segment of Gotham tonight, where we have four Gotham episodes to get through. The most ridiculous show in television, in a good way. <laughs> so uh, we're, quite, we're looking forward. We've got some, some quite sort of laughs and a wee bit of Gotham news as well to get to. But again, that's on the other side of the show. So... Uh, first off, we'll start in with our usual um, bits and pieces of Arrow news. Uh, I had a wee quick look around. Uh, Andy, did you find anything at all today or anything you'd like to discuss about Arrow before we get to the meaty side of the episode? Um, I haven't really seen too much, to be honest. Not really. Um, have you Have you seen anything? I certainly have, yes. I've managed to clock a couple of wee, uh, bits and pieces. Um, SCR's favourite villain on Arrow was Clock King when he appeared uh, last season. And uh, mm-hmm. some photos have been released of the villain Clock King tormenting the Flash. So I'm very intrigued to see him on not, on, not only on Arrow, but um, over in Central City. So that'll be quite an intriguing episode to see. And again, uh, Robert Nepar was a brilliant actor. He played one, probably one of the, the strongest villains last season um, out with uh, Slade Wilson. So it'll be brilliant to see him in, uh, back into the role of Clock King. Uh, on top of uh, that, uh, episode 12, has the title has been announced as Uprising. It's a very interesting. I think episode 12, I believe, is after the mid-season break. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what the fallout will be from the mid-season finale and how this uprising... Is it a literal uprising in Starling City? Or could it be a sort of metaphor or thematically an uprising within Team Arrow, possibly? Maybe Arrow doesn't you know, work well with his team or with the new team in Central City. It'll be interesting to see uh, why it's called uprising and what could uh, happen. Uh, finally, um, for next week's episode, Draw Back Your Bow... Um, I have also clocked that Austin Butler has been cast as Cameron Chase. Now, Cameron Chase is a very rare um, DC character, not very well known, but the gist of it, Cameron Chase in the DC comics is an agent of the Department of Extranormal Operations and they're tasked with monitoring and neutralizing metahuman threats. Now, the reason I think that's quite interesting is considering that we have, obviously, the Flash and all his metahumans. Are they possibly setting up some form of government agency out with of Argus who could be monitoring just metahumans? So could this be sort of the, the groundwork towards something bigger, maybe in a couple of seasons down the line? Um, according to... 
Sounds like shield. Sounds like shield. It could possibly say. I've read a couple of issues of Chase, and um, it does it does come across as uh, shield, but probably more um, supernaturally. I reckon would be a good sort of way. Uh, he was originally introduced through the Batman um, side of things as well, but he's obviously break getting brought into Stalin City, and um, I believe next week he's going to be portrayed as a DJ who's going to be introduced as some <laughs> form of love interest. I reckon for Thea. So it'll be interesting right. to see if Roy gets a wee bit well gel uh, over this new uh, interesting thing. So that's draw back your bow. Also, we're it's rumored to we're to have our uh, our first sort of appearance of Captain Boomerang next week too, which I'm dead excited to see. Um, talking about Captain Boomerang, Andy, obviously the Suicide Squad mm-hmm. film, which is uh, due to be released in 2016, Will Smith yep. has been rumoured to be Captain Boomerang. Now, in the comic okay. books, Captain <laughs> Boomerang is like an Australian ginger-haired uh, villain. That'll be interesting to see yeah. if that's true. Then again, Will Smith was touted for Captain America back in the days. So maybe he's touted for everything that's named Captain. <laughs> I, I would I would rather have Will Smith than some Australian did. Well, not honest. Mel Gibson as Captain Boomerang. That'd be quite hilarious. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so, yes, we should be yeah. seeing Digger Harkness played by Nick Tarabay uh, next week. And um, the main villain for next week's episode is Cupid, which, again, is a very cool um, villain that was brought about in the most recent, not New 52 Arrow, uh, Green Arrow incarnation, but the sort of the tail end of the pre-New 52 Arrow. Basically, it's... Um, it's it's what Ali and I have to deal with all the time with all the ladies. You know, they love us so much that they either have to kill us so nobody can get to us, or we have to be with them. You know, I mean, I don't know, Andy, if you can if you feel that way about a lot of girls, but I'm telling you, it must be the Kennedy blood in myself and Ali that just makes all these girls irresistible to us. You know, <laughs> it, it, it must be, it must be. And it, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of Captain Boomerang, there's a little bit of foreshadowing for it on uh, Flash this week. Um, there was a scene where they were out in the testing range with uh, Plastique, yep. and uh, what's what's the female scientist? Oh, of course, name? and she had uh, she notices the boomerang she a, on the table. Yeah, she had a boomerang. Yep, and she's like, "Oh, you, I'd see you brought this and didn't try it. That was probably a good idea." I did <laughs> notice that, and it was quite clever considering Captain Boomerang is one of um, Flash's more formidable uh, foes alongside mm. uh, Captain Cold. I'm just, I'm very just intrigued considering that Boomerang's going to be involved with Arrow first and Flash, so they certainly are trying to spread out these rogues across the two shows to give them a bit more depth to um, each show. But yes, I think we're coming into probably, I reckon we're going to see a change in pace now with um, with SCR, especially after Guilty. I reckon we're going to get to that sort of, you know, a handful of episodes that just, you know, really ramp up the tension and leave us wanting more, hopefully, by the mid-season finale. Um, so, yes, that's everything that I have for our Arrow news. And on that note, uh, we should move on to uh, this week's episode, titled Guilty. And it's an interesting episode. And basically, we see a wee bit more. We Basically, I would look at it as a Ted Grant origin story, Guilty really was. And we got an idea as to who Ted Grant was, why he's doing what he's doing, and we also saw why Laurel is also wanting to train, and she's still dealing with the death of her sister, but she seems to finally overcame that and has a focus now. Um, so there was a murder going around uh, Stalin City that they were stringing people up like boxing bags, and um, Arrow immediately accuses Ted of um, committing the murders. It was 
quite blatantly obvious with the way it was all set up. But of course, this is Arrow. Everything's not as it seems. And as we got through, progressed through the episode, we realised that um, that uh, it was somebody else that was doing the murders uh, and to exact revenge against Ted Grant. So, Andy, what did you think of uh, Guilty? episode um i thought it was quite a good episode but definitely not as good as last week's episode last week's episode was probably my favorite episode of arrows today it was one of the um, it was probably the best Colin origin Brown. stories episodes out there as well mm. yeah. but I, I, I did like this episode and I, uh it kept me on my toes with roy because i was like i was totally on the fence as to whether or not roy had uh had had killed Sarah or not? Like, because obviously we saw that at the end of last week's episode where he had the sort of flashback where it was him that had thrown the arrows at Sarah, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was like, no way! And uh, I, I, like, I just listened to your episode from last week, and uh, you pretty much got it absolutely spot on as to what was happening. Like, it was it was uh, him just thinking of the police officer, th- and he just got it a bit mixed up. I think that was pro. I think that's the first time in SCR history that Ali and I have actually managed to get one of our predictions correct. And uh, yes, it, I thought it was very well done. It really did highlight the fact that somebody coming off like a, a Merakuru ultra rage binge would surely, would surely suffer some form of PTSD. And uh, obviously in the form of that must've been Roy's first death that he's seen since his Merakuru rage. And he's just so mm. massive over. And it was quite clever how it was done. I felt that there wasn't enough focus on Roy. You know, it could have been dragged out a wee bit longer. Maybe if Roy went on his own mini-investigation and managed to find out what was going on. You know, he sort of relied on Oliver to uh, clear his mind. It would have been, I thought it would be quite cool if Roy managed to uh, figure that out himself, you know. Um, maybe sort of revisiting the scene of the crime. And, you know, we could have maybe seen quite a wee bit of a, of a cool sort of, like, mental breakdown within Roy while he tried to piece together exactly what had happened and then that slow realisation of him knowing but still though it was done quite well it did bring Mm. in the whole it did question um, Oliver's relationship with Roy in terms of like a teammate and you know there was that kind of don't leave me never type thing it was a bit (laughs) bit maybe of a romantic (laughs) undertones (laughs) I'll never leave you Roy (laughs) obviously unintentional but it did seem to come across a bit sort of oh okay (laughs) like never but um but still, yeah, I did enjoy how Roy uh, did come to terms with what he'd done. Well, when I say come to terms, he's beginning to come to terms with what he could have done. And it does highlight the fact for Roy, is there more that they're trying to hide from me? I mean, being being this family and this team as they keep going on about, they fucking hold a whole load of secrets against each other, you know? <laughs> but um, Yeah, Ollie's definitely the worst for it. Yeah. Though. And these these flashbacks are getting worse and worse. The like, Ollie ones are terrible. Yeah. Every they've week. really let like, themselves oh down with the flashbacks <laughs> this time round. Like it just, I don't know. I think it just feels. I mean, like the island flashbacks made sense, but now he's in Hong Kong. Like surely by now in Hong Kong, somebody would have known who he was. I mean, he is literally the whitest, tallest guy in Hong Kong right now. And like you know, surely surely some one tourist would have been like, hey, hang on a minute. He looks quite familiar to the missing guy that would have been around the world, and like somebody would have brought it up. But, but yeah, <clears throat> they're not that really that. Um, they feel like they're just being forced in. Like, it doesn't feel yeah. natural. Like, there was a good story going through the island ones, whereas these ones, they seem to just be like, oh, better put in a flashback to explain why Oliver uses the candle to take out to help Roy, you know? <laughs> there's, just, there's just no need for the flashbacks. So, I mean, you could literally take the flashback out of the episode and it plays mm-hmm. fine. 
and you could have done something else or like put in a flashback that actually shows you a bit of background to a character because I mean we know like all his character by now his character is set in stone like anything they do in the flashbacks is not going to change how we think about Ollie in the, the present in the present day yeah. so you can you can definitely add in other people's stuff like last week uh, Felicity stuff that was interesting yeah definitely like, yeah it's yeah. um so I mean, yeah. you could you could they could go around. They could do Roy. They could do some more uh, Laurel. They could do well. Diggle sad a wee bit. They could do even uh, what's his name, Ray Palmer. Yeah, oh, that's again like I mean, that character is bloody brilliant. He's so good. Yet we just don't know <laughs> anything about him. And I, I really was expecting <laughs> by now to have a bit more of a of a Roy centric, uh, not Roy, uh, Ray centric um, episodes. <laughs> You know, yeah. like, uh, but we've not, we've not. Uh, uh, maybe Arrow's still suffering growing pains. You know, trying to set the stage for the overall uh, thing, and hopefully this time next year we'd be looking back. Or I can't believe we were saying all that negative stuff about that. <laughs> but no, you're totally right. I think it doesn't help as well in the in the um, flashbacks that uh, the sort of side characters don't seem to have as much personality and as much strength as they did in Island. Like you had, you had Slade Wilson being the sort of the mentor to Ollie. And then you had obviously yeah. Shadow, a sort of mini love interest, but still a badass. Whereas in this one, you just have a sort of a poor, a poor family that are literally being thrown into this against their own will and don't want to help Oliver. So we kind of like, you know, I'm not, I'm struggling to find reasons how, why to connect to these, um, to this other family that Oliver's been sort of like held captive with, uh, obviously mm-hmm. on orders of Argus rather than the family. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know, I don't even know their names. Like I couldn't tell you their names. I give absolutely no fucks about. I them. believe that, I think the wife <laughs> is to become uh, Katana, which is another um, DC right. Comics um, assassin. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, I'm like you, Andy. I just I genuinely don't. I've not invested myself in these characters because they haven't given me a reason to invest in them. You know, they just they, they all resent Oliver. You know, there's nobody in this that's you know that we can sort of like like. There's no lovable characters in the back stories, of course. Uh, flashback. Mm. Um, you know, speak, speaking of like the lovable characters, there, there was like there was a few like really silly things that happened in this episode. It oh, was, really uh, silly things? Do tell, Andy. Oh, totally silly. Yeah. <laughs> like like at the beginning of the episode, Roy was sleepy. He's like, I'm so sleepy, and all he's like, you go home and rest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just, I was I, when you said you uh, so silly funny. things, I thought you were going to bring up the most silliest epic. Uh, scene that's ever existed on comic book television oh. the boxing glove arrow <laughs> they actually brought it in and oh i was squealing like a little girl when that happened i just i, I did not expect them to to like show little like reference yeah fair dues is a joke but not actually having him and he knocked them out with one shot that was the best thing about it it was just like this super boxing glove with like a brick inside it <laughs> just knocked out <laughs> ted grant yes um listeners the boxing glove arrow was uh introduced to uh the arrow continuity i suppose um albeit by accident and we'll probably never see it again but uh, it was done quite well uh, during the scene where um, Arrow confronts Ted Grant over the murder of uh, of the various people that are happening uh, that have been murdered, and uh, they have a sort of mini fist fight, you kind of get to see a wee bit more about Ted Grant's um, martial arts expertise as well as his boxing. And obviously, Arrow, knowing that he's a wee bit outmatched by this older guy, decides to, he sort of does a commando roll, stabs his arrow in a boxing glove, fires it, and knocks him out. <laughs> <laughs> as you do, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean. That, that... 
that's pretty good. It was, pretty it was, good, it was yeah. well done they, how they took a ridiculous concept and they did almost sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, like, my favourite part of this episode, though, uh, even more so than, than that box I love it, was when he, Ollie was going around and he was like interrogating all the various different people. And he just got up right up in this guy's face and started shouting Paco in his face. Paco! <laughs> Paco! <laughs> yeah. And he, and he's like deep he's deep Batman voice. <laughs> Paco! Paco! <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah, it was good though just to see the um the boxing glove arrow. And obviously there are some silly moments in the film, but um in the episode. But overall though, it was it was alright. It wasn't maybe not the strongest one that they've had so far. Um, and coming off the back of such a great origin story for Felicity, you know, it would have been tough to top that uh, to begin with. We did get to delve into Wildcat's background, a.k.a. Ted Grant, um, to find out that he actually already was, the, there's already been vigilantes in Starlin City. I thought that was quite a cool, um, a cool sort of like path to open up. And it'd be interesting to see whether or not is there going to be more than just Wildcat? You know, was Wildcat just the only one or was there going to be a couple more that may or may not sort of resurface as they realise Arrow's doing good again? So, um, for the... Yeah, I mean, like, I think the thing with Ollie was, like, he was like, oh, there's never been a vigilante here before. I mean, he's been a bit, a bit kind of short-sighted there when he's saying things like that because, obviously, he's been away for five years and before that, he wouldn't have cared if there was a vigilante kicking him out. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, yeah, because he's he was such an upper-class brat back then, why would he even bother looking at what was happening in the Glades at the time? So it was it was quite plausible to have other um, other folk out there, um, you know, fighting fighting for truth truth and justice, almost. Uh, but obviously, Wildcat, he, um, the whole idea, well, I suppose, like, the entire theme of this week's episode um, was kind of like um, a partnership and uh, uh, being the fact that, you know, Ted Grant failed his partner by um, not believing in him uh, when it really mattered most. And it reveals that uh, the person committing the murders was Ted Grant's old partner trying to get back or seek revenge against Ted, um, mm. which like kind of showed some parallels to what's happening with um with Roy and Ollie, with the fact that Roy also murdered somebody as well as so did Ted's partner, but the difference being Ted walked away from his his partner at the time and left him to mm-hmm. sort of like you know get fucked over by another gang, whereas you kind of see Ollie doing the opposite by still embracing Roy as part of the team, even though they all know that he's murdered somebody. Um, so it's quite interesting to see that way, and it was quite cool to see sort of Ted Grant giving out some like. Uh, sort of like veteran wisdom to Arrow, maybe not on his like his combat side of things, but how he's managing the team. It was quite cool. And I'm really hoping to see may hopefully maybe see Ted Grant and Laurel having their own mini crime fighting team. Maybe not like competing against Team Arrow, but it'd be quite cool to see mm-hmm. them out and about, you know, maybe they find themselves maybe like Arrow takes on the bigger threats, whereas they seem to sort of like deal with the um the sort of the constant sort of lore threats and stuff you know and i reckon i reckon with maybe laurels now focused on trying to avenge her sister's death by training with ted um ted could probably be pushed back into becoming wildcat once more which would be quite cool and um, for the listeners that don't know who wildcat is um and i don't know andy if you know any background on wildcat um i know he's wildcat and... <laughs> <laughs> well here's that, here's the lesson for he, you <laughs> he, he seems he seems cool uh he does seem cool well, this will, I suppose this would be my first character breakdown. I think this um, 
for um, this series of SCR. Mm-hmm. So Wildcat, uh, aka Ted Grant, uh, he was a he basically came about in the forties or fifties, and he was part of the Justice Society of America, which is another. This was before the Justice League had formed. There was a Justice Society, which was consisted of Wildcat. Um, and Green Lantern, not in the vein of like Hal Jordan and those people. This guy was Alan Scott way back before. He had a he had an awesome cape. It was amazing. Um, it was like a wee <laughs> offshoot of the Green Lantern Corps and a couple of others. Uh, Zatanna, no, uh, Doctor Fate was one. Um, Hawkman Hulk was another one, yeah. And um, Zatanna's dad, I believe, was in the Justice Society of America. So as obviously our time went on in the Justice League with Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman got sort of more and more popular than the JSA, uh, it became in canon that the JSA were the, the predecessor to the Justice League. So, for example, I think Jay Garrick, the original Flash, was also in the JSA. So it became the fact that these guys were sort of like, they were kind of, unofficial mentors to the Justice League and they kind of teamed up the odd time and they were just basically the old timers of the entire thing. It was to kind of show how long the DC universe has been going on for so long that there's going to be older uh, vigilantes out there as well as the Justice League. So in the DC canon pre-New 52, Wildcat actually trained Batman so there you go. He was one of the one of his sort of like boxing martial arts trainers as well as um, the League of Assassins. Um, so yeah, Wildcat kind of did a quite a lot of um, bits and pieces with with, um, with the JSA. His major thing, which is more connected to Arrow, is that he was Black Canary's original love interest, I believe, as well as uh, her original trainer. Now, in the comic books, <laughs> Green Arrow was originally firing into um, Black Canary's mum. <laughs> And then he decided to go for the younger flesh and went out for oh. for uh, uh, Dinah Laurel Lance, uh, which was at, at the I'm, time um, Wildcat's um, sort of prodigy. And uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing that's a direct quote as well. <laughs> you could possibly, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, some of the some of those old comics are really dodgy with yeah, stuff like that. There's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you've read the Secret Wars, but oh, Secret Wars Colossus talking about Kitty Pride. <laughs> Is so yeah. creepy. It's unbelievable. So um, there's a brilliant. If you've ever watched the cartoon Justice League Unlimited, there's a brilliant episode where Wildcat, Black Canary, and Green Arrow are in it, and they have the same. Uh, you know, they've got a great sort of chemistry. The three of them do have a great chemistry with each other. That that they're sort of seem to be planting the seeds in Arrow. So it'd be interesting to see. What, how, what for a threesome? In the sense that you know, like um, <laughs> Wildcat still harbors feelings for Laurel, but Laurel is with. Hmm. Hello. Um. Arrow. Arrow get together and Ted Grant's left as a scorned lover. He doesn't do anything crazy back at either. You know, it doesn't. He's not. He doesn't become a, a villain. He just decides to sort of like prove himself to Black Canary by doing stupid things. And because he's getting older, he uh, he can't really keep up with the youngins anymore. So it's it's quite an interesting way to do stuff. And um, yeah. So that. You were sort of laying the foundations for that with the sense that Arrow was almost threatening Wildcat to uh, not let um, Laurel train with him again. But then obviously Laurel, we kind of finally seen Laurel growing a wee bit as well. And she's moving away from that whiny, that sort of whiny, crappy character that we all grew to hate. And hopefully mm, and she's, she's going to broaden she's, into something a wee bit, um, wee bit stronger. What, what's your thoughts well, on she's, it? 
She's going to move into that bloody awesome costume that we saw the promotion shot. Of course, off. that's the big news. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, we saw the promotional costume for Black Canary, um, and she looked badass. Like, yeah, she yeah. looked better than her than Sarah Lance in it. I reckon so. Um, a lot sterner, and uh, she seems to carry the costume better as well than Sarah. So. Um, and it says she's got an awesome police baton, which I thought was a good wee tip the cap, considering she comes from a police family, which is quite good. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, um, yeah, sorry, listeners, I just realised that you're like 20, 30 minutes into the show and you've just realised, oh, yeah, there's a black Canadian costume out there. Yes, there is. <laughs> it's okay, we segued it. <laughs> yeah, Katie Cassidy, uh, they released a, a, a promo shot of her. Um, you can get it on our Twitter. It's already posted up as well. So please feel free. We had a couple of... Um, discussions via Facebook over the whole thing which brought up some interesting things about how people felt uh, what they th- what they thought of the whole costume. Fair news, it was all guys so you can kind of see how that was going what, what route that was going down <laughs> to uh, so there wasn't really any, anything of note to really bring up on the show but, no. um, but still though, she, lo- she does look quite badass and we are to see this costume this season and it looks like it's going to be in the latter half of the season that we're going to see it so uh, I'm looking forward to see how they're going to bring it in and how she gets this costume and like you know well not how she gets it physically but you know how she progresses into the costume does she start out immediately like that or does she sort of do like a Batman Begins where she just goes out in the black jacket and that's it or you know and then she decides to get a mask later on and obviously how does she get the wig is it a wig does she just like in the comics it's a wig so it'd be interesting mm. to see if she does sure it's if, if it's a wig as well so yeah there's a lot of things to do that but um. But yeah, um, overall, uh, Guilty was alright. It was an alright episode. I think they're still floundering a little bit in terms of the overall story arc. I mean, by now, we kind of had an idea as to where Season 2 was going with us. Or we knew there was a big bad kicking about. Whereas in Season 3, we still don't know who... Not who the big bad is, but we still don't know like where the big bad is coming from. Is it Malcolm Merlin or is it going to be somebody different? And if it's someone different, the fact that it's not really been brought in to a certain like to a certain point is it Raz al Ghul you know but even if it's Raz al Ghul we've only seen him for 20 seconds so you know mm. I think they are still kind of you know they're trying to introduce as many new characters as possible and it just seems to struggle a little bit but not in a bad way it's just growing pains you know like that any season has especially being in your third season it must be difficult to try and you know keep it fresh almost so I, you know I don't know I, I, I did really like this episode uh, despite the sort of disappointment after the amazing episode of last week. But I, I really did like this one because I honestly didn't know if Roy had killed Sarah or not. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole episode I was going, did he kill her? Why did he kill her? Like, why would he yeah. kill her? Why would he do that? Even if he was Mercury raged, like, what possible reason could he have? Because he was just standing there and I was like, ah, ah. And, I mean, it just kept me going the whole episode. Um, so, yeah, I've got to give it props for that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. It was not too bad. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, overall, I think there's there was like negatives and positives, but I reckon the positives outweigh the negatives on this one. It certainly, mm. it, it certainly was no birds of prey. That one. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> um, so yeah, that brings us towards the end of our um, Starland City Radio segment. Um, stay tuned, obviously, for next week, uh, and uh, that's draw back your bow. What we'll be discussing, I believe, Ali and I will be back onto our normal run of Starland City Radio, where we will be discussing. Arrow 2.5, which is a digital comic that bridges the gap between season one and season two. Um, quite some tantalizing glimpses of possible, maybe not Easter eggs that we're going to see in the 
uh, on screen, but certainly Easter eggs that have been laid for the Arrowverse itself, you know. Um, the comic books are brilliant. Arrow 2.5, you can get them in the DC comic app. Uh, dead easy. Uh, so yes, moving on to Gotham tonight. Dun, 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 dun. The, um, the most ridiculous show on TV in a good way. <laughs> it's brilliant. So we've got a lot to discuss. We've got a lot. Four episodes to go through. Crazy amounts. Uh, you know, ranging from crazy Japanese masks to uh, crazy serums to people <laughs> called goats. It's just... Pff, oh, well, how, how are we going like, to dissect all this, Andy? It's mental. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, well, before we get into it, to sort of get our listeners into a bit of more of a ridiculous Gotham uh, mood, uh, we'll start with just brief snippets of news. Um, the main one, of course, is Ben McKenzie, who plays Detective James Gordon. Uh, he has been reported to have hinted that the Graysons could appear this season, which I can't believe they're throwing in more characters in this show i mean the amount of characters i've already got i wonder how the grace is going to appear i wonder if it'll be like i don't know like uh they'll it'll be like the camera will pan round and then they'll see like a nest of robins sitting beside this family or that'll be a wee kid <laughs> yeah, stroking no. a robin like in dumb and dumber it'll be Pretty a, girl. No, it'll be, it'll be a ba- it'll be a baby with like a robin onesie yeah on. that's what it'll be yeah, it'll be, be like a, their christmas episode so the robins will be out yeah. in the snow while this this family kick about and oh. the wee kids like look at that look at that it's a robin like <laughs> you can what's funnier is the fact that that's probably what will happen <laughs> um so of course yeah. yes the graysons for those that may not be batman Verse the Graysons are the family where Dick Grayson comes from, who does become the first Robin to um, to Batman. Um, on top of that, we have also been announced that they are writing an episode with Scarecrow as a boy, um, not as an actual fully grown villain, but as a boy. So that'll be interesting to see Scarecrow in. Will his dad have like a prototype of the fear gas? You know, you never know. Just. Just wait, you'll see him cutting the head off a crow. Yeah, he'll be like, a, there'll be like a weird farm family, and like they'll be like, go get those, go get those um, scarecrows out there, and the wee boy runs up and erects a scarecrow or something stupid like oh, that, or yeah. he'll get bullied by the countryside boys and be put in like a, a afraid mask, and then he'll be told, oh my god, like, oh. and just the fact that this is where. Ali and everyone's balls to the walls theories actually have some plausibility is when we talk about Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Finally, um, Harvey Dent has been announced as a regular in Gotham, but um, okay. he's going to take a wee while to get into it. I reckon he's going to be guest starring for a couple, for possibly the majority of this season, and it could be more season two that he becomes um, that he becomes a proper thing. Again, I don't really like how... I mean, obviously, Harvey Dent has yet to be introduced in Gotham. It's next week, I believe, he's introduced. Yeah, next week. But, I mean, the episode is called Harvey yeah. Dent. So, I mean, he must be a big part in that well, episode. Well, this is... I, what I'm about to explain is from the preview that's come out, which you can get okay. on YouTube. You know, it's like, you know, it's what's been officially released. Mm-hmm. So, I count that as non-spoilery. But... Uh, oh, no. His introduction, oh my god, right? He, he stops a little kid in his tracks and the kid's like, shouldn't you be in school? And the kid's like, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, well, uh, heads or tails, you know? Oh, and it, no, no, he does, he does. Not, and he goes, yeah, he? heads yeah. or tails. The guy's like, heads. So he throws up thing and goes, heads. And he goes, oh, well, hands over his tails. And he goes, you'd have been going to jail or something stupid like that. 
And then like um, James Gordon turns around to him and goes, "What? Uh, what happens if it actually was tails?" And he goes, "Ha ha! I've got a two-headed coin." And it's just like, "Oh my god, what are you doing?" So he it does actually get introduced with the the flick of a coin. But uh, there you go. Oh, oh, that I, I thought they would do something like that. That's that's yeah, all. I know. I was in all honesty, I was kind of expecting uh, him to sort of like walk into Gotham Police Station like half in shadow and half not with the, the coin getting flicked up in the air and then some no that's too subtle no that's no no, subtle. no no but wait and then <laughs> one cop would be like going oh god it's that two-faced Harvey Dent watch what you say it'll be like <laughs> something stupid like that uh, but yes um, Harvey Dent will obviously be introduced in the episode titled Harvey Dent which airs on Monday night in America so um so that brings us to the end of our news segment. So let's get into the uh, <laughs> the meat of Gotham tonight. Um, for our listeners, uh, we'll sort of quickly rattle through. We are covering episode five, titled The Viper. Uh, episode six, which is Spirit of the Goat. Uh, episode seven, Penguin's Umbrella. And finally, we'll be covering the most recent episode, which was aired last week, called The Mask, which is the eighth episode. So... Uh, without further ado, let's start with um, episode 5, titled Viper. Um, basically, a new drug has been hitting the streets called Viper that kind of gives people like super strength, but then after a while, they kind of their bones turn to dust, I believe was happening. It was something ridiculous like that. And, yeah, um, something like that. Yeah, so basically, they're on the hunt to try and find out who has been distributing this random drug, which I will. there is one thing I do remember from this episode which pissed me off, right? If I was a drug user, right, you know, kicking about, busking away on the streets, and somebody came up with me and dropped a bright green vial of liquid in my guitar case, <laughs> I am not going to crack that open and take a hit straight away. Nope. <laughs> I'm sorry, not even, like, e- even if I was addicted to crack cocaine, I'd be like, that is not crack cocaine. I ain't touching that. Even heroin, I'd be like, nope, I am not touching bright green liquid. Comic books. That looks yeah. radioactive. I'll put that yeah, in the bin. Like, like, comic books have taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, of course. So yeah, this random person had been dropping this viper thing, and it transpires that, that he was a scorned employee from a um, a chemicals factory that was tied in with Wayne Enterprises, uh, called Wellzine, I believe, is the um, is the is the chemical factory's name. And uh, of course, he's tried to distribute this viper to sort of. I don't. I think he. I think his plan was just to sort of punish Gotham's elite. I believe his was his um, was his motive because there was that section where like there was uh, all the um, head honchos of Wayne Enterprises were together and he was going to unleash this gas onto them all. Uh, and Bruce Wayne, it turned out, was there as well because he's decided to, for a ten-year-old kid, rather than playing video games like we do, he's now decided to take and in, take into his own hands his business's affairs. Which good on the guy, fair dues, but. Telling you, video no. games is where it's at. Um, so, of course, yes, uh, Stan Poltolsky was the uh, villain's name in this one. No really uh, connection with the DC Comics. Um, and basically, yeah, uh, this Viper thing was like sort of like held out. They track him down to this old guy who the old guy explains that Viper turns out to be the failed drug and the past drug that's been taken out is called Venom. Dun, dun, dun. Which, of course, for people should know by now, Venom. Is in fact the drug that uh, that Bane is hooked on, um, which kind of it was quite cool. It, it was quite cool to see Viper as a sort of like 
predecessor to Venom in the sense that you know it made sense that they got super strong but sort of like crumbled away after a couple of hours. You know, it was quite cool. Um, and then on top of all that, the sort of plot point B of this episode um, was Fish Mooney. Uh, we find out she's planning, obviously, to conspire against Falcone, but now she has her lover, which is Nikolai. And, um, of course, Liza, the, uh, probably the most brutal X-Factor additions ever, um, as Andy <laughs> pointed out, the most brutal X-Factor yeah. ever ended, and uh, Liza was chosen, and she meets with Falcone in the park. So, uh, if your memory is as good as mine, Andy, uh, what were your thoughts on episode 5 of Viper? Um. Yeah, I think you pretty much covered it pretty well. The uh, I, I think it's the, the one thing that I was disappointed about with this episode though was that the chemical stuff. I was like, when as soon as he said chemicals, I was like, oh yeah, cool chemicals. We're gonna see like Ace Chemicals. Yeah. Like the as the chemical factory, but it never ever transpired, yeah. and I was just I'm, disappointed I'm, the whole episode because that wasn't. Yeah, I think I think Gotham is now becoming the point where I'm getting disappointed when they don't do the obvious. Like when they're now <laughs> yeah. becoming subtle, is when I get really annoyed. I'm like, come on, man, you've been so obvious so far. Just keep on, just keep it throwing. Just just be like, oh, by the way, this guy is the Joker. I didn't catch the Joker reference. Supposedly every episode has a reference to the Joker, but I didn't catch it in, in episode five really? of Viper. Yeah, but I don't know if it means. I don't think it means like. Uh, like a reference for the one character, I think it's like supposedly just random Joker. It's just like a playing card in the background. Probably, somewhere. to be honest, man. Something being called. <laughs> oh no, there was that Cardinal that was called Harleen or Quinzel or something. Like that. But um, oh, um, Cardinal Quinn was his name. Um, but yeah, it was quite cool. Um, was Viper the one as well where Cobblepot, the greatest character that's ever existed in television? <laughs> um, it was Cobblepot that uh, finally revealed his past to Maroney, wasn't it? When he was trying to rob the casino, uh, or am I thinking of another episode where um, uh, uh, Cobblepot? It was when Maroney finally sort of like he told Maroney that he was uh, he he was um, meant to be dead by uh, yeah yeah it was so this episode yeah. And uh, yep, and then that's when you sort of like yeah, you finally see Cobblepot sort of playing playing both sides this time, you know. And obviously, with um, uh, he had to rely on Gordon to come in and tell the truth as well, so he could survive. But uh, he managed to survive to live for another day. Brilliant, because Cobblepot is the greatest. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite cool. Again, I I think only the whole Venom reference was probably the thing that kept it going. But I did kind of I don't know. I like this Stan Potolsky guy maybe trying to, you know, I I like this idea where they seem to be failed vigilante seem to seem to be a recurring theme throughout the series so far. You had like uh, the Balloon Man first. You now have this guy with the Viper. You know, trying to take down Gotham's elite because you see them as the poison that's happening, that's um, causing Gotham to rot. Um, which is quite cool considering like it could be a good foreshadowing to like it's almost as if Bruce could be like mentally saying right don't do what they did but do what their beliefs are going for you know it's almost a sort of like don't do this Bruce <laughs> yeah um, you know like Vi- Viper is, is Viper's an acceptable name to have as a as a super criminal it's much better than Balloon Man or Spike Man or Goat Man or Goat yeah which <laughs> brilliant, way, brilliant way to continue on uh, from our Viper discussion to episode 6 was their um, Gotham's attempt, and I use the word attempt loosely, at their Halloween uh, special uh, titled Spirit of the Goat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my God. <laughs> um, to a brief rundown on Spirit of the Goat, um, kind of a previous case 
gets brought back to light um, uh, where a mass killer calling himself the goat or the spirit of the goat um, is basically targeting um, the firstborn child of every, of the Gotham City's uh, elite families. And um, basically Bullock was tasked of tracking him down and I believe he felt that he managed to kill the spirit of the goat before he mm-hmm. could utter the... Well, after he uttered the words, oh, I will come back in another body some mumbo jumbo like that then fast forward 10 years in and the same murders are being uh, committed um with the same mo of the spirit of the goats uh so uh i you, you have quite a wee bit to talk about i reckon of the spirit of the goat about how ridiculous the name is <laughs> yeah oh this was just no oh, i mean goat man you know <laughs> is this a character from the comics it is, yes. Goatman is a character oh in the God. comics, yes. <laughs> he is. Um, hang on, I'll need to try and figure out a wee bit more. But yes, uh, Goatman definitely is an official canon character. And uh, uh, I'm not too sure if he has the same MO as um, as what was being said around. But uh, but yes, uh, Goatman was. And um, I don't know, like the previews for this episode looked quite badass. And at first, I don't know if you were the same, Andy, but at first I thought, hang on a minute, maybe this could be like a Scarecrow style like villain. Like with the way it was like done, because the Goatman does wear a mask in the, the films, in the uh, episode itself. I was kind of yeah. hoping that maybe, you know, this could be a, a great way to introduce like a sort of like a predecessor to what Scarecrow could become of with like fear toxin being spread around mm. Gotham and stuff but no no they had to go with Goatman um, uh. but, uh, <laughs> but still though I mean it was an alright episode I suppose uh, I mean you know we kind of got to see a bit more of Bullock's past and you know kind of how he seemed to be a bit um, a bit less corrupt as he is now as well and uh, obviously this um, case really really hit him home in the sense that you know like because uh, he was so involved with it beforehand he kind of it was almost as if he got some PTSD uh, style moves on the go um, but obviously Harvey manages to save the day when he figures out exactly what's going on and um, basically it kind of they basically recreate the same scene 10 years ago but this time it has a better um, thing. do they actually arrest him or do they kill him again because I can't remember now no no remember it turned out it was uh, the psychotherapist uh, Doctor Mark. Of course, they ah, hypnotized them to become the goat, and, and like it was told that this was the totally ridiculous thing of the episode was that there was no uh, the police guys thought there was absolutely no way that people could know this like couple of small details about the previous murders and have recreated them exactly. What was it? it was like a it was like a really rare penny. Or yeah, something it was like, like a that. penny it that was like their head or behind their neck, I believe. Yeah, but I mean, like. The amount of corruption that's in the police department in Gotham, you'd be like, well, it's obviously a leak somewhere. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you wouldn't be like, there's no way, it must be It must be a reincarnation. There's no other possible way. Yeah, <laughs> I remember now the psychotherapist. Yeah, it was the woman uh, that was hypnotizing mm-hmm. the new killers and all that stuff. So she was technically doing the deeds, but via her the, this other person and um it was quite cool like i mean it was it was it was a bit it was ridiculous it was probably probably the most ridiculous episode they've had so far and uh, i think this is the episode where i just realized threw my hands up in the air going you know what if that's the way they're going then i just have to laugh <laughs> yeah you know, like there's two there's two things in this that were ridiculous because also they were investigating the murder of uh oswald Cobb yes in this in this episode and they, they were they went in to arrest uh they went in to arrest uh, Jim Gordon for it, obviously, in the police station, and then I was, and then 
Cobblepot just comes in and goes, hello, I'm back, hello, yeah. <laughs> I'm not dead. <laughs> Which, um, actually, brilliant way to finish it off, because um, in Penguin's Umbrella, the next episode, right, it just completely skips that. It's almost as if played out, as if he just appeared and went, hello, and then just wandered off. There was no, like, yeah. resolution to, well, like, you know, like, did he, surely the police officers must have arrested him, but no, it seemed as if he just... Oh, why would why would they arrest him though? He hadn't done anything wrong. Yeah, that's very true. It's, like he yeah. was he wasn't dead, and like somebody said he was dead, and he wasn't dead. So yeah, um, uh, on your way. <laughs> good, good for you, son. <laughs> you're not dead. <laughs> but like the 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 like the last scene in that episode was really funny. Like when uh, Bullock and Gordon were like going head to head, it was like almost um, you know, and like when you're playing a fighting game and you've selected your characters, and then it shows you like the sort yeah. of preview screen and they both pop up and they're like right in each other's face it was exactly yeah, like, yeah, like, was really um, like street fighter type thing yeah like yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's like with the two things then versus comes in the middle ah, yeah, i know exactly what mm-hmm. you're talking about yeah that totally right. yeah. yeah like there's like the last scene of um spirit of the goat into the first scene of penguins umbrella which um mm-hmm. Do you, oh yeah there's there's another couple of things yep. this episode right and and this episode as well edward nigma <laughs> It's so it's so creepy. Know, it really is. He, go, he went in and he was like talking to the women and it was organizing the files and all that. And you're like, okay. And he's like, you know, you should really reorganize your files. And she's like, no, no, I like it. And then she goes out the room, and he just starts reorganizing the files. Like, what is the point? What is the purpose of reorganizing files? How does that relate into Riddler or anything? Yeah, I don't know if it was his like poor attempt. They're like, you know, trying to woo a woman, but it was a bit disconcerting. I was kind of like, oh. Okay, it's a bit like weird, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just really could not work out what he was trying to do there. Like, yeah, why are you doing it was that? um oh was there not her her name oh yeah that was um we had a great theory about this because obviously that seems to be they were they're obviously trying their hardest to set up Edward Nigma with a woman right and um it, it kind of feels like the writers are kind of like you know that guy that always tries to set you up with somebody but you just don't want it to happen but he just forces you anyway mm-hmm. that's what it feels like but um but I I reckon uh, what's happened is that um uh, she's I think her surname is Kringle right now mm-hmm. we have yet to see the a great DC Commons villain called Calendar Man. So I reckon that mm, Calendar yeah. Man will kidnap this woman because she's got the surname Kringle, which brings into Christmas. And I reckon, Sam, I reckon yeah. that's that, with the Christmas episode. Yeah, and I reckon <laughs> that that's what will snap Nigma into be- into slowly becoming a villain. Maybe not the Riddler straight away, but that's when we're going to see his um, his sort of fascination of dead bodies and uh, you know, like sort of dissecting things. And he's actually going to kill somebody or try to kill somebody. Uh, because he um, he sees that as his duty to protect Miss Kringle, um, it, it'd be quite a cool thing. And knowing Gotham, it's plausible. So it'd be quite fun if that actually oh, did happen. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. That and it, we we did uh, see in this episode as well. <laughs> there was also we saw Bullock like departing a wee bit from his uh, his kind of uptight, not uptight. He's like dickhead behaviour. Like he's he's been quite a bit of a dickhead this whole season, and it's quite an awesome character. Mm-hmm. But he's also got this soft side because he's been paying for Dixie's uh, hospital care and all that for like the last ten years. Yeah, he's yeah. got he's he's got a heart of gold. Yeah, it really sort of <laughs> yeah, it really does sort of um, just broaden his character as well and gives him a lot more depth. And um, yeah, it, it was quite cool to kind of see how um, 
how Bullock sort of became. Well, not. Well, it'd be intriguing to see how Bullock became who he was. And I, I reckon he. I reckon Bullock would be like um, would be like Gordon if Gordon did kill Cobblepot and Gordon did just fall into line. I reckon Gordon would be like the next Bullock. Whereas it's quite cool to see probably Gordon like doing the things that Bullock didn't, and maybe that's why Bullock sort of resents Gordon a little bit more. Is because he's realised that Gordon has more uh, balls to stand up uh, to the crime and corruption that Bullock wished he did when he was uh, younger. Um, but still, though, Gordon has sort of an excuse to do it now, whereas Bullock didn't. But either way, though, it really did sort of flesh out Bullock a wee bit more, and you know he isn't yeah. just as alcoholic, corrupt guy that gives Gordon the odd piece of wisdom and uh, chagrin but yeah it's still quite cool um anything else in spirit of the goat andy you like to discuss? No, 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 no. That's, that, that's enough moving <laughs> swiftly on <laughs> um <laughs> brings us up to penguin's umbrella which um in my opinion penguin's umbrella was when i finally realized that gotham is a good show once you understood its ridiculousness and you just look past it um it was after i finished this show i realized damn it's good um, Penguin's Umbrella really sort of um, pushed the overall plot forward with what's going on with the two gang, with the two um, crime families as well, and we kind of we kind of see a, a great sort of western motif with um, James Gordon and Harvey Bullock sort of sort of like preparing for like a, a, a one last stand against uh, against the crime of Gotham, which I thought was quite cool. You kind of saw Gordon in a more badass light than uh, you had done previously. Like Previously, he was like struggling to kind of keep things going on. Now you kind of saw him. He was against the wall because... Um, he was against the wall because he, he basically... In Penguin's Umbrella, it's pretty much found out that uh, Gordon hasn't killed Cobblepot and he's literally just been hunted uh, with Falcone uh, asking Victor Zaz, another Batman character, <laughs> to be introduced, mm. Victor Zaz, to bring Gordon in for a chat but uh, obviously God, James Gordon, knowing that uh, that's probably not the, the wisest decision to go in and speak to Falcone, decides to sort of take a stand in the police station. You see all the cops file away and not uh, not help him out, and he's left on his own, and he kind of do see Gordon with his re- resourcefulness and um, it's sort of like just his true grit, just to sort of like kick ass. And uh, Victor Zaz, I must say, was probably one of the most entertaining characters in this episode so mm-hmm. far in Gotham. Yep. Um, it kind of got me back into wanting to listen to Funky Town because of his ringtone. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so basically, yeah, it's all about Gordon pretty much just deciding, fuck it, I'm just going to, you know, like finish this once and for all, even if it means that I'm going to die. And uh, he sends Barbara on the bus away from Gotham, so he now feels that if she's in a safe place, he can do anything. And uh, that's what he pretty much does. He gets himself ready. Uh, he finally makes friends with um, the uh, MCU, the murder crimes unit, uh, Montoya and the other guy. Uh, he finally makes friends with them, makes peace with them, explains to them about the fact that he's still working on the um, the Wayne murder. And um, yeah, it's, it was quite cool. Oh, yeah. And that, that was the that was about where he went. He went to uh, Bruce Wayne's house for no reason. Well, he went to Bruce Wayne's house to sort of like explain Come to on. Wayne, if I die, then these two will be taking charge of the investigation. I think that was sort of he- his. I mean, c- come on, though. He's a police officer. He doesn't need to bloody go and explain himself to a 10 year old kid. That's very like true, that. yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's not like he's going to do it to every case that he's had to do. So, yeah, understandable. <laughs> yep, I see you're covered from. Um, and then obviously Bullock um, walks away from Gordon, but then he comes back in the most epic fashion ever, bringing yes. a fat <laughs> prostitute to Gordon's house and having sex <laughs> in his bed. 
It's like, what? That's right. Uh, yeah, it, it was brilliant. It's so good. So, uh, yeah, so we have Victor Saz, um, which um, people may be familiar with the Batman. Batman mythos will know Victor Saz as like a crazy psychotic killer who only kills with knives in the comic books. And basically, and he only kills women as well. Uh, well, he, he does kill guys, but he mainly kills women. And every death he has, he notches it down on his um, on his arm or anywhere on his body as sort of like notch marks. Um, so although he wasn't like knife friendly in this episode, he was using his um, his uh, guns. We did kind of see him notch up a couple of kills that he'd he'd managed to take over the episode. Uh, hopefully, we find a reason why he's moved from guns. I did kind of like the idea that he's a hitman, which is quite cool. You know, it kind of makes sense. Mm, yeah. um, hopefully, we kind of see the reason why he moves away from guns into knives maybe later on. And he's obviously seen as maybe Falcone's top sort of you know like uh, hitman guy to. Um, do sort of important business for uh, yeah well i mean we we know why he moves yeah Gun, guns for show knives for a pro yes yes you, you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah and, and you kind of did like when he did shoot the um the female cop in the park in the uh, underground parking lot you did kind of feel a wee bit as if he was pissed off at himself like for using the gun so yeah there probably is that underlying idea about the whole thing and um I mean, I suppose he wasn't out there to kill Gordon, so maybe that's why he didn't have his knives with him. So there's a lot of explanations behind it all, but still, it, it was still quite cool to see Victor Zaz in there, and I really liked the guy who um, who played Victor Zaz. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but yeah. Uh, he, I can't remember, but he was really uh, good as him. He like, pulled him really off well. He did do like a crazy, almost Roy Harper-esque backflip off the table when it, <laughs> when <laughs> Gordon tried to shoot him in the um, in the uh, uh, the police station, which I thought was quite hilarious. Um, we all love Roy Harper's backflips, which seem to be bleeding into um, uh, Gotham, which is quite funny. Uh, and then Victor Saz, <laughs> obviously having the greatest ringtone ever. I actually now have my phone playing Funky Town whenever somebody calls. Because of Victor Saz. I thought it was quite hilarious. I was just laughing too much about it. Um, so of course that brings us on to sort of to move the plot forward in Penguin's Umbrella. Um, Harvey Bullock finally sort of joins up with um, James Gordon, realizing fuck it, I'm an alcoholic. May as well go out in a blaze of glory as well. So they pretty much <laughs> storm uh, Falcone's um, uh, compound with the upper hand of pretty much saying we're arrest like they arrest the mayor. Uh, they're going to arrest Falcone and arrest a few other people uh, and uh, for charges of conspiracy uh, against the murders of the Wayne family, right? Which is sound, although he did manage. Uh, although for some reason the police station does have like blank um, warrants that people just take willy nilly. But anyway, um, so well, it's Gotham, it's, Gotham it's, police it's, station yeah, corruption. Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to think that we shouldn't really call them police. We should just call them Gotham corrupt station or something. Um, yeah. But yes, so we finally see them sort of approaching, like no, no holes barred. They pretty much know that that's him going to die, and he pretty much goes, we're going to die here uh, unless you come in for questioning or unless you get arrested. And then Falcone says, are you sure there's nobody else that you don't want um, that's not going to get harmed? He's like, nope. And then also goes, not about Barbara. And then that fucking blonde-haired bitch had decided to come back to Gotham to sort out, like, why, Barbara? Why? What, <laughs> were, you, were you really going to go up to a fucking, like, mob gangster boss and be like, oh, yeah, just uh, leave my boyfriend alone, please? It's like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, come on. This is ridiculous. Idiots. You know, see their plan? It was, it was like, pretty crazy, but it would have worked 100% if she hadn't come exactly. back. Exactly. And, like... <laughs> fucking oh and it was great how harvey was like call his bluff and then it turns out she actually yeah. he actually had her all along he's like damn Whoops. he did 
Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so, my bad. But yeah, like, he, it totally would have done it properly until she had to fucking come back into Gotham. And it just, ah, oh, what is the point of her in the show? I'll never know. She's just there to pop out two kids so we can get uh, James Gordon and Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl and a crazy psychopath murderer. That's all we need. That's all. <laughs> See the moment she popped them out? Throw herself off a bridge shaft for all I care. I don't care, man. It's the most useless character in the show. And that's saying a lot with Gotham because everyone's fucking useless in that show as well. You know, I actually quite like her. Like, she's just there. She's clearly just there for eye candy. And, oh, yes. And, 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 and 99% of her scene, she, all she's wearing is uh, Gordon's shirt. Yes. Nothing else. Oh, yes. <laughs> she is. She is easy in the eyes. I'll give her that one. Um, so yes, Barbara Gordon basically fucks up the greatest plan has ever existed for anybody. <laughs> it would rival Clint Eastwood in plans, man. It was so ballsy. <laughs> yeah. um, so of course, um, it, it sort of fails through, and then Falcone at this point, at this point anyway, I thought it was a bit of a weird thing. Falcone decides to let them go alive, like let them live, and they kind of under the impression that Falcone goes, you will learn in time why this is all happening. Which is kind of, I suppose it's an old man's maybe ad age why he said all that stuff. However, the biggest reveal in Penguin's Umbrella was the fact that it turns out that Cobblepot's been working for Falcone all along. Like, what Mm -hmm. the hell? I don't know whether or not this was like a last, it felt like a last minute like shooing, you know, kind of maybe they just realise, oh shit, we better address that. Wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And they just threw it in there. But um, but yes, it turns out that after Cobble... No, it turns out before Cobblepot was... It, it was specific, was like killed off, quotation marks, by, um, by James Gordon. He met with Falcone and he said that, oh, let James Gordon kill me and I'll come back as a nobody and work my way into the Moroni family, and I could provide you with information. That seems to be the general gist of of, um, of Penguin's offer to Falcone. So, yep. basically, that's what he did, and he's been providing all this information about Moroni's whereabouts and what Moroni's been up to, to Falcone. Uh, uh, but he pulls in a favour to let God James Gordon live, because obviously James Gordon let Penguin live, which, I don't know, maybe a bit of a cop-out, but still... You know, it kind of now means, I suppose that means I'm even now, you know, like Penguin doesn't owe James Gordon his life or vice versa. So, uh, so yes, it turns out that Penguin's basically been the architect behind everything that's been going on so far in Gotham, which is amazing. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's pretty good that, that they, that they went and did that. I don't know if it, it must've had that plan the whole time. I'm not too sure. It, fe- it felt like maybe like a last minute thing. Maybe they were, um, maybe they were planning on maybe drawing it out longer but then they probably realize that they should address address it straight on uh, earlier than maybe planned by the way it was brilliant to see penguin mm. into that sort of idea and it sort of highlighted the fact that penguin is a cunning bastard even in the comic books yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and what do you know what i did like about this episode was that this episode is what i always thought gotham would be when it was first announced that they were doing gotham i was like okay this is like Police force corruption and the crime, the the crime families and whatnot. Yes, all that, all that going on, and like I thought it would just be about all that. Yeah, stuff. I was like, yeah, this sounds brilliant. And fuck Bruce Wayne and his his back catalogue of villains. Like, let's get the let's get the crimes going yeah, on. Yeah, it would be. It, I, I I thought like Gotham could be like Sopranos crossed with the Shield with like Shield or like not Agents of Shield but the program Shield. Yeah, Sopranos yeah. crossed with the Wire, like some sort of crazy 
cop mafia drama um with obviously a hint of the ludicrousness with um, the introduction of the characters but um if penguin's umbrella is something to sort of like a teaser as to what we expect maybe later on once they've sort of figured out what works and what doesn't work then gotham could be really really good but right now they still seem to be well until episode seven i felt they were still trying to figure out what they were and then um penguins umbrella came about and i thought they'd finally figured out exactly where to take the show but then the mask episode eight came out and they just felt like they mm-hmm. sort of fell back into um into the wee shitey uh you know crazy um <laughs> sort of like episodes and stuff so the weirdness you know i i just one final yeah, yeah say definitely penguins umbrella right I was quite disappointed at the fact that we didn't get to see Penguin's Umbrella in the episode called Penguin's Umbrella. Ah, uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it, it did hold uh, an umbrella for Falcone when he was out dealing with his chickens, but, you know. No, no, but I mean, I, I was expecting, I was literally expecting him to, in this episode, pull out the umbrella and, like, shoot people with it. <laughs> fly away with it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not quite fly away with it, but, like, you know how Penguin has the gadget umbrellas, yes. like, the gas, the the gas grenade umbrella and the bomb umbrella and all that sort of stuff. He's like he's almost as bad as Arrow with his umbrellas. <laughs> I'm quite surprised that um, remember way back in episode oh, two, I reckon, uh, where there was that hitman that was randomly taking out um, the oh no episode four in Arkham, I reckon it was where there was that random hitman. Oh, Spike Man. Yeah, Spike Man. I was. Yeah. I'm surprised, like. Um, <laughs> Penguin hasn't modified the tip of his umbrella to have like, the same sort of spike mechanism spike, yeah. as that guy has, because that'd be quite cool. That'd be a cool wee segue where like Penguin manages to sort of like get it nicked out of the evidence locker or something and, and fashions it to his umbrella. would be quite cool. I mean, it, it's just a spike. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly complicated. <laughs> push a button, a spike pops out. Oh my god! Hell yeah. It's, it's Gotham, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> any final words on Penguin's umbrella? No, that was uh, just my disappointment about Penguin not having his gadget umbrella. Brilliant stuff. Well, that brings us up to the most recent episode of Gotham, which is uh, titled The Mask. And uh, basically, we see Bruce returning to school. Uh, We see two villains getting introduced into this one. Um, So Bruce has trouble with a couple of the school pupils where they make fun of his dead parents. Uh, and we kind of see Bruce sort of standing up for himself <laughs> for the first time. And then on top of that, we see Gordon and Bullock investigating um, a businessman by the name of Richard Sionis, uh, who seems to be sort of like hosting f- a fight club in order to get uh, full-time positions in his uh, in his business, <laughs> like uh, for like interns. And um, Sionis Investments is called. Yes, the most cutthroat yeah. business. Most cutthroat job yeah. centre. <laughs> uh, so there's some, a sort of like a fight club thing and... Um, when Gordon figures out what's actually going on, he finds himself in the middle of the fight club. And uh, he kind of... It, it was great. It was like subtly done in the sense where Gordon decides to try and do everything himself because he can't trust the GCPD after what happened to him in uh, Penguin's Umbrella. So it was quite cool mm-hmm. kind of seeing that uh, that side of it all. Uh, but then, of course, it came to the end of it where he realised that he does need their help. And they do... Well, some of them do sort of pull around and try to help him out albeit when he really went after he really needed them <laughs> um so yeah yep. what did you think of the mask andy before i get into details of the dc comic side of things it was a pretty terrible episode i mean you had 
office fight club and oh bruce wayne at school it's like it was like my worst nightmare of what this show would be you know like i mean i think we spoke about this um certainly me and ali did before uh, gotham started out and we were quite worried about it turning into like bruce wayne being at school with like uh various bruce various uh, batman villains gotham high (laughs) and oh my god the bullying, all that shit. Oh, I did not like that. That was terrible. It was funny seeing uh, Bruce punch the guy and Alfred just going, yeah, I'll let him do that. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, I... I don't need to see any of this. <laughs> Put it away. I mean, hopefully we don't dwell too much onto his school life um, during Gotham. It'd be difficult not to, considering how much Bruce is um, involved in each episode. But, uh, but so... Too much. He's yes. Involved far too much. You should just. Yeah. They need to send him away. Yes. He just needs to fuck off to Tibet and train. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yes, Bruce does return to school and uh, he um, he gets some stick from uh, Tommy Elliot, who is the person that he um, who basically makes fun of his dead parents. Now, Tommy Ellen, Elliot should ring some bells to people that have played the Arkham City games as well as uh, reading into the Batman lore. Tommy Elliot, aka Hush becomes one of Batman's uh, villains. In the comic books, Tommy Elliot is actually a close friend of Bruce Wayne's as they grew up, but when Bruce buggered off to Tibet to train, they sort of lost touch, and then um, they came back, they met up with each other again, and then it turns out that Tommy Elliot has now just become a crazy psychopath murderer who wraps his head in bandages. Um, <laughs> so, is, is this the guy who, um, he got like uh, facial reconstruction surgery to make himself look like yes, Bruce Wayne. Yes, this is the guy. Yes, this is exactly the same guy. Yes, oh. uh, he was. Uh, there was a, probably one of the greatest Batman comics out there. It's called Batman Hush, and it has all his entire backstory in there and how they came together. So uh, maybe this sort of mini scrap that happened in the the school is to sort of set the way with them possibly becoming sort of closer together you know you never know i'm really not too fussed i was quite surprised that tommy elliott was introduced um, hopefully it's just a like a one-off cameo thing rather than an actual um you know recurring villain well not even recurring. i don't even know how you could be a recurring villain if he's a wee kid either way mm-hmm. it was quite cool to hear the name tommy elliott and know that hush was um is involved because as i said batman hush if you've not had a chance listeners get yourself on that comic book because it's absolutely brilliant. And if you've played the Arkham City games, there's a side um, there's a side mission where you have to hunt down Hush as well. Uh, I don't yep. think you I don't think you meet him face to face. You just sort of like figure out it actually was him that did whatever it was that was happening. I can't remember the the mission off by off the top of my head. Can you, Andy? Yeah, I, I can't remember. It's been a couple of years since yeah. I played it. You you should remember you played it you played it this yeah, year. Yeah, no, but and fell yeah, asleep. Exactly. See, I fell asleep when I was playing it. So you know we were talking about that last night actually in the Rebels podcast. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, so yeah, Tommy Ellen was introduced, and then of course moving on from well, we'll try and swiftly moving on from the Gotham High part of the um uh, uh, the episode, and into probably what we were expecting Gotham to be. Uh, Gar- uh, Gordon Bullock investigate Richard Sionis now. For those that are um, uh, well-versed in the comic books, Sionis should ring some bells. Uh, for those that aren't, um, and for those that have played Arkham Origins, the most recent one, um, Sionis is the surname of Black Mask, a.k.a. Roman Sionis. 
Now, I had to specifically state that as Roman Sionis is Black Mask in the comic books and in Arkham Origins. Um, now, Black Mask becomes one of the other crime family empires in Gotham alongside Maroni, Falcone and Penguin. Uh, and he has Sionis Industries, which is in the comic books, which kind of deals with metal works, I believe. I could be wrong. If, you, if I'm wrong, get in touch with SCR. And I, I will apologise, but I'm pretty sure it's um, Metalworks, Sionis Industries works um, deals in. However, in Gotham, it's Richard Sionis. Now, I'm hoping, and when I say hope, I pray to God that this is the case, that Richard Sionis is like Roman Sionis's dad, and Roman realises how ridiculous his dad's masks are, and decides to get a black <laughs> mask instead of a fucking stupid samurai Japanese mask or something. It wasn't even cool. It was like a it was like a was. crazy fat yeah. Buddha mask. <laughs> mm. um, so, of course, Richard Sionis, he runs in this one of sort of a, an, um, an American Psycho-esque uh, a broker firm. Uh, when I say American Psycho-esque, it's a bit like the the where Patrick Bateman works. I'm assuming that's the, it would be the same company Patrick Bateman works. And basically, Richard Sionis seems to have the most cutthroat job application ever where he cages <laughs> up potential applicants and uh, has them fight to the death for the, the one place that he offers. And I think he offers a million signing bonus as well or something like that. So uh, we sort of like kind of see that thing and he, he seems to have a lust for war and fighting and he tries to draw that out of James Gordon by kidnapping him and throwing him into the mix of his mini fight club in like an abandoned office. And uh, it's there that God, we kind of see Gordon, again, his resourceful, resourcefulness, which probably stems from his time in the army and the fact that he manages to take down three guys pretty much without any weapons. And uh, just as he takes him down, the police show up. <laughs> it's kind of like, I'd, yeah. get, I'd get even more <laughs> pissed off if I was Gordon kind of going, oh, great, guys brilliant you turn up after it all happens <laughs> um see that that whole fight club thing was hilarious because it's like in this in this fight club you must not talk about this fight club you must also not use any weapons unless they be office supplies yes <laughs> you may fight with staples <laughs> and printer cartridges <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous and uh yeah it's just it was balls to the walls insane but probably more in a negative way than a positive way you know it's it yeah, rivaled Goatman probably with one of the worst episodes yeah. so far. Um, I'd say so. I, you know, I did like the whole thing that was going on with the Doctor, though. Like, that was kind of interesting. The, like, you know, how uh, Gordon went and arrested the, the Doctor? Oh, of course, yes. The, uh, black, so the black market Doctor uh, idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was quite cool. Because obviously crime, uh, you know, criminals will need to have a place out with other than the hospital to get themselves fixed up. And I think it, sh it shed light on, on an area of Gotham that that you know people don't really think of which is quite cool yeah i mean it wasn't even that like it was when he arrested him chucked him in the cell and bullock was like oh you've just pissed off everybody and he's like i don't care this is a bad guy he's going in jail yeah i think he kind of maybe power tripped a little bit and i reckon we're going to hopefully over the course of the season or two we're going to have to see gordon balance balance his um his sort of thirst yeah. for justice with knowing that people like the doctors and, you know, other sort of like low, low, when I say low, low life's like proper, like, no, you know, don't really have a great effect on the overall um, thing that's going on in Gotham. You know, he's going to have to just make that slide. You know, he's going to have to have some leeway, I reckon, in order to keep, obviously, the, the department's so corrupt that they can't just become goody two shoes overnight. So he's probably going to have to make some leeway for now, uh, which obviously was noticed with the fact that he was trying to jail people like 
as you said, the Doctor, where everybody, even Bullock, turned around and was like, whoa, okay, knight in shining armor, a little bit too far, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, I also I loved um, Nigma in this one as well, <laughs> where he, he, he does this whole, like, psycho crazy autopsy, and then it turns out he's oh, like, yeah. supposed to be in there. <laughs> that was the best thing about it. Stop touching the dead bodies. Yeah. Get away so from it. Like, it first came out, it's kind of going up. Oh, here we go, a crazy autopsy by Enigma. That's strange. As a forensic scientist, didn't expect them to be autopsy people. Then all of a sudden, the actual doctor comes and goes, what are you doing in here? And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this guy is literally an idiot. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, and then obviously moving on from, those are sort of like the main plot points. Um, the underlying was another storyline B. I have noticed this now in, um, in Gotham. They seem to have three storylines in every episode. Um, I suppose the third one is um, Liza, who's obviously survived the most brutal X Factor tournament ever. Uh, her loyalty <laughs> to Fish Mooney is sort of like tested or begins to falter or something like that. And uh, where um, Fish Mooney tries to get her to drug um, Falcone. Now, I reckon she didn't. I reckon she did drunk, dr- drug Falcone, but has given Fish Mooney falsified documents from the ledger that she was supposed to pull out of or she's explained to Falcon what's going on so I reckon um, Liza's going to turn against Fish Mooney at some point but, uh, see this Liza is she, a char- is she a character in the comics? not from my knowledge now listeners of Starland City Radio if you have any inkling as to who Liza could be in the comic books and don't say Black Canary because I had to bitch slap somebody for saying that no um, definitely not if you have an idea as to who this Liza could be in the comics then please 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 do get in touch on Twitter um, at Starling Radio but for me personally I can't think of anything that Liza could be I reckon she's just uh, a lackey you know it could be um, you know it could be I, I reckon she's going to die at the, end of the, at the end of the season no matter what you know um I think so. I, I don't know. I think she's too. I think she's too interesting a character to go But um, uh, yeah, it could be. I don't know. I'm trying to think of Falcon ever. I think I'm pretty sure Falcon did have a younger lover in the comic books, but I can't remember what her name was or if she did play any major role in the uh, in Gotham itself. Um, I'll definitely. I'll need to get that out for the next uh, Gotham tonight segment. Um, but yes, do, do you know? Who, do you know? Who I think she is. Who? I think that she is Zatanna. No. 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 Yes. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> yes, because uh, like like people were thinking she was black canary because of the fishnets. Yes, that's what people say. Now right. Zatanna wears fishnets too, so it's it, I actually think it's much more plausible than uh, than black canary. If Constantine didn't exist in TV, I would probably be more inclined to be like, ah, oh, could be, but because Constantine is around, I don't think it could be. I reckon she's just a lackey. Like I reckon, or I reckon she's gonna just um, sort of like beg for mercy from Falcone. And like say that she's fallen in love with him or something like that, and then Falcone's either going to kill her on the spot or have another um, mole in Fish Mooney's plans to that point where Fish mm. Mooney's probably going to have more backstabbers in her family and in her group of people than she's going to have loyal. <laughs> so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I'd like this idea that you said that she could be an integral role later on. So I could be wrong with her sort of being killed off by the end of the episode, but um. But yeah, uh, for me, though, Liza, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that she could be um, associated with other than your suggestion of Zatanna, of course. Um, so yes, listeners, at Starling Radio, tweet at us if you have any ideas as to who Liza could be or what her motives could be as well. Or does she maybe have her own underlying motive that we have yet to know about? You know, you never know. Mm-hmm. The, um, the, the other thing that happened in this episode that was quite funny was uh, Selena Kyle robbing the dress store. 
Oh, <laughs> just Selena Kyle. Like, I intentionally avoided speaking about her because she's the most pointless character in this show. She's just like, why did she appear in that? Like, was it what? How did that move the plot when she appeared? Like, there was that other episode where she slid down a car and, like, Jim Gordon was like, mm. oh, you, and then ran off. And it was just like, <laughs> Do you know, like I, I do, I do like her in this show, right? But the, I do agree with you. There was no reason yeah. for her to appear here, especially because she was robbing a dress store. And so far in every episode, she's wore the same clothes. Exactly, and <laughs> it's like black leather and nothing else. She wears nothing else. She does not wear dresses. I love how, um, I love how in episode two, at the end of episode two, she turned round to Jim Gordon and said, "I know who killed the Waynes." And now we're at episode eight, and not a single thing has been mentioned about that whatsoever. <laughs> it's like what the fuck? And then, I'm pretty sure she did meet up with them. Um, she did meet up with Gordon towards the end, didn't she? Uh, where I think uh, she's requested that um, that Gordon speak to her after she was brought into the police station for robbing the dresses. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that's I think that'll be that's next week because we don't actually see them meet up. In ah, episode. right. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I just I think I, see if you just took away all Selena's scenes in Gotham so far, the the episodes would still make sense. Like that's how useless she is. Uh, just as useless as Barbara, maybe maybe more useless and, than Barbara and, and Bruce. Yeah, and Bruce <laughs> as well. Yeah, but um, I have some funny feeling that Selena and Bruce are going to start getting closer together in the whole um, in the whole series. Maybe Selena, I don't know, starts living with Bruce or something. No, do you know what's going to happen? Right, that in this episode, Jim Gordon's going to speak. The next episode, Jim Gordon will speak to her. And uh, like obviously she's robbed uh, the dress store, being caught. He's gonna feel, he's gonna force her to go to school. <laughs> and that's <laughs> we're gonna that's see where she'll meet Gotham Bruce Wayne yeah. <laughs> in Gotham High. <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> that's what's gonna happen. Oh, I can see it now. <laughs> well, I believe I'm. Are you any last um, uh, comments on episode eight of The Mask or? No, other than that, it was a very poor episode after the previous week's it was. great episode. And um, next episode after The Mask is titled Harvey Dent, which we kind of briefly covered in our new segment. Uh, we're going to be seeing the introduction of probably one of, of my favourite villain of all time in, in the Batman mythos. Um, so that's probably why next Gotham tonight that you hear me, I'll probably be vehemently trying to defend how... Harvey Dent was introduced and how Harvey Dent was portrayed because to me, yeah. nobody can fault such a simplistic, in a good way, simplistic, conflicted character. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I'm very intrigued to see how it is because I just I think Harvey I think Harvey Dent Two Face is just a brilliant character and the fact that he technically he is and he isn't good. Uh, he is and he isn't a villain, uh, which is well, I in my that's how I interpret him anyway. But yeah, mm. uh, he's doing justice, but for the wrong reasons. That's always the other yeah. So yes, that's episode nine, Harvey Dent. It airs in America on this Monday coming, uh, so in two days. I'm not too sure about the UK air date because it is airing on Channel Five, I believe. Uh, and I mm. reckon I think there are three episodes behind everyone in the USA. So uh, if you're listening to the, our Gotham Tonight segment, then we're pretty much covering episodes that you're just about to see. So good on you. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, um, that brings us to the close of Gotham Tonight and Starlin City Radio. Um, do you have any plugs, Andy, that you would like to uh, shamelessly shout out? <laughs> yes. Uh, first of all, you can uh, you can find me on uh, 42 Level 1 which is a gaming podcast uh, we broadcast, which is with, obviously with Ali. 
the lovely Ali, who's not yes. here tonight. Um, and we broadcast live on allgames.com every Tuesday night, 4.30 Eastern, 9.30 Greenwich Mean Time, 1.30 Pacific. And you can find all our old episodes and uh, the podcast archive and all the reviews and all that good stuff over on foytelever1.com. Um, over on the comic book side of things, I do do a podcast all about um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, specifically focused around Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., called Agents of Shieldcast which uh, you can find on Stitcher and iTunes and all those good places, and also over on All Games, directly after Stalin City Radio, <laughs> on a Friday night at 7pm Eastern, midnight Greenwich Mean Time, and whatever time that is. Is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. you can find on All Games at that point, yeah? Uh, yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah. And have you got anything interesting to be speaking about on 42 Level 1 on Tuesday the 18th, this one coming? Oh, this week, yes. Um, we've got a lot of Assassin's Creed talk and a lot of Call of Duty talk. And um, I, although I don't know if they'll let me talk about it, <laughs> I, I'm going to try and talk about Pez. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. It, it may or may not happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, well, for myself, before um, I get into the actual end of the show, um, you can catch uh, my lovely voice along with Al Kennedy's and sometimes Andy Urquhart if he's around um, on Star Wars Rebels Cast UK. Get us Twitter at Rebels Cast UK. Our website is rebelscast.co.uk and email us at starwarsrebelcast at gmail.com. It's a podcast all about the Star Wars Rebels Um uh, cartoon that's out on Disney XD just now and uh, it's all about everything about Star Wars really, it's actually quite fun because uh, Ali and I just argue all the time it's quite cool um, <laughs> so yes, that's it from everyone on Starling City Radio follow us on Twitter at Starling Radio, uh, like us on Facebook as well uh, we're all over the Twitter and the Facebook like a bad rash so any comments and opinions please give us a shout at Starling Radio listen to us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes and uh, we are also on allgames.com on a Friday night, uh, just before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Is it just before or just after? Just, it, just directly just before. Just directly before. So there we go. Back to back six, of our lovely yeah. voices. It's com- comic night on a Friday yes. night. Uh, all games. Uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, 11 Greenwich. Brilliant. And uh, as I said, Twitter at Starling Radio. And also visit us on our website, starlingcityradio.tk, where you can catch up on the most recent episodes as well as uh, what comic books we'll be looking at in the coming weeks and that's it from me Ross Shaw I've been your host and along with me today has been Andy Urquhart and stay safe starling citizens (laughs) (laughs) 